Yes, Holy Spirit, we, we just pray the, the words of Peter where he said, just pray that God would release repentance, that times of refreshing may come. So, Lord, we ask that you, that you start with us here. Father, that you would bless your body with the gift of repentance. It's your kindness, God, that leads us to repentance. We want to believe like you believe, see like you see, Father. So we need your help, Holy Spirit. Come and help us. Give us pure hearts that we may see God. Let us be poor in spirit that ours may be the kingdom of heaven. Let us be meek, Father, that we should inherit the earth. Let us hunger and thirst for righteousness that we may be satisfied. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We love you. We thank you for your presence, Father. Just tell the Lord to say, thank you for your presence. Thank you for loving me, Father. Thank you for saving me, Father. Lord, we bless your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all can be seated. All right, so if you are um, in fifth grade or under, you can go to kids' church. And if your baby can sit up through four years old, you can go to baby church. Or you can stay, because we love babies. So Drew and Rebecca, you decide what's best for Rayma. She's totally welcome to stay in here, but if she wants to go play with Hannah and Megan, she can too. So whatever works for y'all. And Finn has made his awakening debut. <laughs> Jesse and Phil made it on Father's Day. It's hard to make that first trip out of the house on a Sunday morning. So y'all are rock stars. Um, so today's Father's Day. It's pretty exciting. If you have questions about kind of how this whole system works, ask someone back there. They know. Um, so I love Father's Day for a lot of reasons, but my dad taught me how to repent. So that's kind of cool to have your earthly father teach you how to repent. So he's a recovering alcoholic, and if any of you have ever done a 12-step program, I have. So I believe everyone should do a 12-step program just what I believe. I just think they're for everyone. I don't think they're just for people who have addiction. We all have a need for a Savior. And so anyway, the, um, one of the steps in the 12-step program is to right your wrongs. And so my dad had, when he was in recovery, he wrote like a legal pad of all of his wrongs to each person in his life. So he just sat down with me when I was 11 years old and was like, Jessica, will you forgive me for the time I threw your shoes out the car window? Yes, Daddy, I forgive you. Jessica, will you forgive me for the time that I, you know, I won't go into all of his horribleness because when you're drunk, you do really crazy stuff, right? So he did all the crazy stuff you think drunk people do. Um, and I was 11, 10, 9, 8, so it was kind of a rough time. But that's what he did with me on two different occasions for like hours. He would just apologize, and I would say, I forgive you. I had no idea what was happening, you know, but he taught me to forgive. And so 
I'm really thankful for my dad. He has my children this morning because today's also his birthday. So we decided he got to trump um, <laughs> because it's his birthday and Father's Day. So there, um, it's being a papa is his favorite thing in life. Um, and so then I got to marry this amazing father, and he's such a great dad to our kids, and um, does such a great job of loving me. One of my favorite um, quotes that I saw, it's actually on the headstone of a really good friend of mine whose father passed away. It says, the greatest thing a father can do is to love his children's mother. So that's my encouragement to you dads out there today. Because being a dad, it's completely overwhelming and exhausting. Even more so than it is to be a mom. And I'm, I'm like, you're, some of you moms are like, I don't know what you're talking about. They carry so much weight, even though we do a lot of the stuff the weight that the men in our life carry is just huge. It's heavy. We can't carry it. We might, you know, in the lion family, I love that picture. It's like we might go out and fight for the food and bring it back, and we might create a lot of order. But the lion is the one who rules the, the whole wild, you know? And so I just love that about the dads. And so... I'm so thankful for what daddies do. And you can get so overwhelmed with the heaviness of it all and lose sight of the love of your life on this earth. And so I just challenge you all to, to love your children's mama well. That's what my husband does. He loves me well, makes him a great dad. So this morning, I just, I was asking the Lord about daddies in our city, and I do feel like a season of reconciliation and restoration is coming to our city. I believe that we're going to be a city full of fathers, and I love empowering people who feel like they've blown it as a father to go back and bring restoration, because that's what my dad did for me. And so... This morning, I wanted to start with just having all the dads stand up. Some of you are first-time dads, which is super exciting. Is Phil our only first? No, Drew, this is your first Father's Day? Super fun. Matt's baby is still baking. So fun. I love it. So let's give our dads a hand. Bo, is this your first Father's Day? Congratulations. Y'all can stay standing. I'm sorry. Go ahead and stand back up. All right. Dads are like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to sit back down. Um, all right. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to do something. Okay. So, Lord, I thank you for these men that you've brought into our lives. I thank you for the way that they love big. I thank you for the way they lay down their lives, for their families, and for their friends, for their community. Thank you for the way that you have put yourself inside of them, and they represent you to the world. So I pray your blessing this morning on the dads. I pray that you will send them out to make disciples, that they will be sons of the Most High God, and they will show others how to be sons. So Lord, I just pray an anointing over each man that's standing here, each of our fathers, that they will reach out to those 
who are fathers, but not sons. And give some love away, that dads may rise up, and this will be a city full of fathers, that there will be no orphans. Thank you, Father. Amen. All right, stay standing. I'm not finished with you. Okay, so if, if Father's Day is hard for you, so this, is a, this may be a little bit of a risk. It's okay. You, don't, you can do what you want to do. But if Father's Day is hard for you, for whatever reason, I'd like for you to stand up, girl or boy. It doesn't matter. If Father's Day is hard for you, I guess everyone else can sit back down. Okay. So if Father's Day is hard for you, I would like for you to stand up. It's a real thing. All right, so daddies that were just standing, I want you to go love on these people. Just go get them. Just go love on them, whatever that looks like. Give some of your father love away. God made you a father. Go love them. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you bring restoration to the broken and that these that stood up today and said, today's hard for me, that they are game changers. They are going to change the generations that come after them. They are going to bring hope to the hopeless. That Father's Day will one day be a beautiful day for them because of what you're doing in their life. So I ask for that. I ask for redemption. Ask for vengeance on the enemy. Take vengeance on the enemy, Lord. What he meant for evil, may you use for good the way only you can. Thank you, God. Amen. I'm going to be seated. Um, well, we, today's a uh, really great morning. Um, besides it being Father's Day, I was, while Jessica was up here, I was thinking about fathers. I was like, the scripture, it says, try to outdo one another and honoring each other. Ultimately, that's, is the goal of marriage and any other relationships, but I joke around, I say, I'm, I'm just the figurehead of the awakening. This is actually the heart and lungs behind it. I just get up here and preach, but um, Jessica's amazing and easy to love. So, um, well, this morning I wanted to, I want to recognize John and Cindy Galtney. They're here this morning, and this is, uh, I got to see John's face here. That's a beautiful face. Handsome face, handsome face. Um, John and Cindy, if, in case you don't know, they've, they've been pastoring Athens Link Church uh, almost at the, right around the same time we started the awakening. And uh, we found out, we ran into them, somehow crossed paths with them the summer of 2010, and it was an immediate connection with them. 
where we just felt like they were um, of the same DNA and heading in the same direction and placed here by the Lord strategically to, um, to plant Athens Lane. And they have been such an amazing blessing to this city. They, um, they've been faithful. To, to, I was thinking of, I was like, Lord, what are you know, three words to use to describe John and Cindy? And I, the first word that came up to my mind was kind. The second one was honorable. And the third was integrity. And they are, they're kind. They're full of integrity. They're full of honor. Um, John is uh, a great friend of, our, of mine. We, we get lunch once a month. And we've been de- developing our friendship over the, over the years and partnering together in different things in the city. And Sydney, Cindy, some of y'all have been blessed to be counseled by Cindy. And, and so you know how amazing she is. And she's a warrior queen. And uh, she doesn't back down. And so we, this, they've just come into a season where they felt God calling them to spend more time with their children and grandchildren. And Cindy also has a mother in Jacksonville, Florida, who's uh, battling dementia, and they want to be able to have the freedom to be able to care for her as needed. And so uh, they've decided to step away from Athens Link, and Athens Link had their last service last Sunday. And so John and Cindy have uh, talked to Jessica and I and said, hey, we want to come over to the awakening. And we're like, we would absolutely love to have you and be honored about that. Anne, who's been there, been friends with them for so long and is such a gift and jewel herself. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to know Anne more because she's only been back in Athens three or four years now. And, uh, but uh, Anne's come, it was, has come over as well and just talked to us about that. But they bought those two buildings over on Baxter Street and it, it was like it released something in the spirit because now businesses, there's new businesses on that street. They redeemed Chelsea's, they redeemed Fantasy World, and, uh, and just took it, snatched it away from the enemy. And so that was just one of the things that they did. But they pursued the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of what Jesus has paid for, and they've created a path for people to follow in. It's like I just imagine it chopping down a path in a jungle. And then there's a, other people can follow. And so I just, uh, Jonathan, you just stand up for a second. I want people to know who you are if they don't know you. And let's, yeah, Awakening Family, just. And we're, we're looking forward to the days to come. Best is yet to come because that's the way the Lord works. And we're so thankful for you guys and what you've done to this city. And, and uh, you guys are famous in heaven and in hell. So, I <laughs> also want to recognize if you if you're from Athens, Link, you you know you're just here checking out the awakening and seeing what's going on and, and coming over to to join hands. Just raise your hand because we want to recognize you and give a give a round of applause for these guys as well. Because it's not whenever you, it's not a. You know, there's no Lone Rangers and Tontos in the kingdom. There's, there's families that advance the kingdom. And so it's uh, John and Cindy and, and Anna have been leading the way, and these guys 
have been, they've got an amazing group of people, but we're just uh, honored and just say the door's open, you know. So, um, you know, if, uh, well, we had, I was thinking about in, in July, we, if you're interested in, in um, learning more about their awakening, there's going to be some classes coming up that you can, we'll, we'll release those dates later. We're trying to finalize that with Jesse. But, um, you know, this morning I, I want to talk about overcoming giants. And I had this picture uh, a few weeks ago where the Lord's just, this is something that God's just been speaking to me about. Um, because God will, he'll place a giant in your path um, because it's training for reigning. And I had the thought that giants don't knock on our door, on our door we knock on their door. Because when we, I'm going to be talking about Numbers 11 where the children of Israel are trying to, trying to transition out of the desert into the promised land. But it wasn't, the, it wasn't the giants trying to get on their land. It was the Israelites trying to get on their land. And so when you, when you start coming up against the giant, it, it means you're knocking on its door. It's not knocking on your door. And so... God's brought you to that place of putting you at the giant's doorstep and asking you, who do you believe? Do you believe yourself? Do you believe the giant? Or do you believe me? And so this is what I want to talk about. But the picture I had was um, being hidden in Christ means that you're hidden in, as Graham Cook calls Jesus, the chief principality of the world. <laughs> He's the prince of all princes. He's the king of kings. He's the, he's the Lord of lords. He is the giant in the land. And I felt like I saw myself uh, as a small person. Hang on a second. And then the Lord was this giant in me, and I was hidden in the Lord's shadow. And all the giant could see was Jesus towering over him. Jesus was about 20 stories tall. You know, the giant was like 10 feet tall. But we're, we're hidden in Christ. And so we're, we are the giant because you've died and your life, Stuart's gone. The old Stuart's gone, right? Now you have a, there's a new Stuart that's in Christ. The old Travis is gone. There's a new Travis who's, a, who's hidden in the giant killer. So I want to talk about that this morning. All my remotes, I just, I got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's working. I got to pull my wallet out because I fidget with it while I preach. So, so I want to talk about the context behind the, the Israelites going into the promised land. All right, babe, you're going to have to do it. It's, So the, the Israelites, they've already complained about having to eat manna every day. And so they're, they're in the middle of the desert. There's no way to get food, gather food, hunt food. I mean, it's, there is nothing there. So God sends them manna, and it tastes like honey, and it's a wafer. I mean, not a, not a bad deal if there's no other options. But they complain about having to eat manna. They're like, oh, if we had some meat... 
I wish I could go back to Egypt and eat some meat. And so go to the next one. They, <laughs> so God sends quail knee deep a day's journey mile radius. So imagine this. 24 miles in every direction. Quail knee deep. God said, so this was God sending them a message. He says, you want meat? I'll give, I'll give you meat. I'll give you what you are worshiping. In Ezekiel 14, like God talks about this, he says, or Ezekiel, um, the Lord speaks through Ezekiel and says, I'm going to answer you according to your idol for the purpose of bringing your heart back to me. So God will sometimes give you what you ask for, even though that's not what he wants to give you. For the purpose of you realizing, I don't really know very much. That's the goal, for you to realize, oh, that was a boneheaded decision. I'm going to do it the Lord's way. So he sent them quail knee deep to, to make them see, you need to do it my way. I'll give you what you, I'll give you what you're idolizing. But this is what it's going to look like. It's going to be painful. It's going to be. Now, when the Lord blesses you, he says that he, he blesses you and it's without sorrow. When it's of the Lord. And it's his time to prosper you. But sometimes prosperity will be a, a bigger burden than not. So then it says, God will answer you according to your idol, Ezekiel 14, for the purpose of turning your heart back to him. Next one. And Miriam and Aaron are murmuring about Moses because he, carried, he married a Cushite woman. That's the Southern, South Georgia pronunciation of that, Cushite. But Miriam ends up getting struck with leprosy. So the people closest to Moses are revolting against him, saying, no, we need to be the, the high priest, essentially. We need to be the one leading. God says, no, Moses is my man. Strikes Miriam with leprosy. She has to go through the, the typical seven-day cleansing period before she's completely healed because Moses prayed for God to heal her. He said, I'll heal her, but she's got to go through the seven-day cleansing process. So Moses is being a really good brother. <laughs> Okay. Now we come up to the point right after Miriam struck with leprosy, we come up to the point where Moses asked 12 spies to search out the promised land and, and give him a scouting report. He, he said, tell me, is there other cities? Are they open? Or are, they, are they fortified huge cities? Is, the, is there good fruit there? Who are the people living there? I mean, he just wants a scouting report. And he sent one man from every tribe who was the stud muffin of each tribe. I mean, these guys were warriors. They were chiefs, leaders. They were the, you know, they, they were the guys that that tribe looked to for leadership. And he, he picked them out, 12 guys. He said, go spot out. Ten of the men came back and brought back what the Bible calls an evil report. Well, what's an evil report? Well, Hebrew says don't have an evil, unbelieving heart. Have you ever thought of like unbelief as being evil? Now we think of murder and lying and you know injustice, that's evil. But unbelief is evil. And, and so we want, we want to have a believing heart, but they came back with a, a report that was unbelieving. And this is what's said in number, Numbers 13. 
Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they had this big old uh, wooden rod with, with grape clusters on it that were huge. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, who are the descendants of Anak? Now, in the promised land, I don't know if you knew this, but there were actually seven races of giants. It wasn't just Anak and his sons. There were seven different races. I can't remember all their names, but you had the Nephilim, the Rephium, the Zamzumim. You ain't going to forget that one. And, but uh, the sons of Anak were these three brothers. And right before we ever started the awakening, the Lord actually spoke to me about the sons of Anak. I had to look it up to make, because I, at the time I didn't know who the sons of Anak were, but the Lord said the sons of Anak are going down. And I said, okay, how do you want to do that? And he said, worship. That was one word answer, worship. And so we're going to get into that a little bit about how does worship and, and taking down giants go hand in hand. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, which is the southern desert region. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country further north. The Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb, who was of a different spirit. Moses said Caleb was of a different spirit. He quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Here's Caleb giving a good report. He's got good news. We can, we can overcome it. We can do this. All right, next. The response to Caleb by these 10 guys says, but the men who've gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out this, to the sons of Israel a bad, evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, a part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. That's the key. Now, have they talked with any of the, the giants? Is it recorded that they said, hey, uh, Anak, um, so-and-so, nice to meet you. And then they said, hey, you're a grasshopper. Oh, okay. And we go back and report it. No, they didn't. They didn't have any conversation. There was no communication. They come back with this assumption, a presupposition. And they say, we're, we're, grasshoppers in their, uh, we're grasshoppers in their sight, therefore they see us as grasshoppers. So the key is how you see yourself. If you see yourself like a grasshopper, the enemy will see you like a grasshopper. If you see yourself hidden in the giant, the, the giant of all giants, you will be a giant killer. But you have to, it starts with you. It doesn't start with the giant. It doesn't matter what, that's why there's actually no communication with the giant because what they say is irrelevant. 
What's relevant is what you are believing about yourself and about who God is. So the exaggeration power of unbelief, the first response that these 10 spies had to Moses was one of doubt and unbelief, but it was more, they were reporting the facts. What they were saying was true. Hey, there's giants, fortified cities, good fruit. This is it right here. But we don't think we can take it. All right. Caleb insisted they can overcome the people of the land. And then what their response, they start exaggerating. And this is what happens when you have to defend yourself. Or you're trying to defend your case. You're, you're saying, you start exaggerating to make it look bigger than what it really is. And so they say, the land devours its inhabitants. And the men are not just giants, but they're really big giants. They're the, they're the Nephilim. They're the sons of Anak. The greatest of the giant races are there. And so you have this image. When they say the land devours its inhabitants, I imagine you're just walking along, and all of a sudden the earth opens up, and you're dead. It's not even the giants killing you anymore. But they start exaggerating to try to convince everybody else to believe like they believe because they had two, there was two voices that were saying, no, we're going to take it. There was Joshua and Caleb. And many times... If you're pursuing more of the Lord, you want, it, you, you want the fullness of what Jesus has purchased for you, you may be the two out of the 12. Now notice Joshua and Caleb didn't put down the 10 men. They just said, we can take it. God's with us. They don't even worry about those guys. They're like, let's do it. God's with us. There's, you come across people who actually believe what they say. I remember hearing David Hogan preach, and how many of you are familiar with David Hogan? All right, so this guy, when it says, when Jesus told his disciples, greater works you will do than I have, this guy has more miracles that I've never heard of that are even, I mean, greater than the Bible. I don't have time to go into to all of them, but it's quite amazing. His, him and his ministry team have raised over 500 people from the dead. They've seen uh, people that demonically possessed floating off the ground. There was one story. I'll tell you this one because I love telling David Hogan stories. But he, this uh, teenage girl was floating off the ground, demon-possessed, and uh, he just put his foot on her and pushed her back to the ground. And he says, I've got authority over you. And just left his foot there for about 10 minutes. Didn't even say anything. She stopped levitating, but was still acting mad. He came back the next day. She was washing dishes with her mom, fully sane. That stuff happens all the time. But when you, I heard David Hogan, and he says, I go in there and I said, Jesus is with me. Now, how many of y'all have heard that before? But when you hear him say it, you're like, he actually believes it. He knows it. Jesus is with me. So he's, he, he's hidden in the giant killer. He's got full confidence of being hidden in the Lord. And there's things like that, the, the simplicity of the gospel, we, when we can just believe even that promise that's the, the number one promise in the Bible Hey, I'm with you. I will be with you. 
then there's, there's no stopping us. So one of the keys is what are you magnifying? Are you magnifying the Lord or yourself and the enemy? Psalm 35 says, let those be ashamed and humiliated all together who rejoice at my distress. Let those be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves over me. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication and let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. So Goliath taunted David. He was magnified. In that taunting and in that intimidation, what's happening to Goliath in the eyes of the army of, of Israel? He's getting bigger. He's getting bigger. He's getting bigger. <laughs> when we magnify the Lord, Jesus gets bigger. He gets bigger. That's why worship is so key. When we, when we have a lifestyle of worship, Jesus gets big. But this is something you have to cultivate on your own. It can't be just on Sunday mornings. And then when you come on Sunday mornings, you're bringing your peace to the corporate worship. So if I'm increasing my worship and you're increasing your worship, guess what's going to happen on Sunday morning? And then corporately, it's going to affect the city even more. So you have a piece. You're important. Like, even if you don't have a, a ministry title, you're a contribution. Even if you're working six days a week, and the only thing you can do is come on Sunday mornings, but your worship is coming. You're bringing your worship and your faith to the table, and it affects the people around you. My buddy Mark Snyder used to want me to worship right in front of his keyboard because I would go for it. And he's like, Travis... I need you right there. Because it would just build his faith. Because sometimes it's not, you know, worship's not always easy. You don't always have the goosebumps and stuff like that. But your body, your spirit responds to your body, and your body responds to your spirit. So sometimes you have to tell your spirit or, or your body, let me back up, sometimes you use your body to tell your spirit what to do. And so you don't feel like worshiping. You're like, I'm just going to bounce a little bit or just do the hitch dance. How many of y'all seen hitch? <laughs> right here. I'm just going to, you know, whatever you got to do, sometimes bounce. And it doesn't, you, and, and you start activating your spirit. You're, you're like, no, we're going to worship the Lord today. You have a will. Your feelings do not rule you. Jesus rules you. And so we make choices like that to magnify the Lord. And sometimes you may be worshiping the Lord for 30 minutes and, and, there's no goosebumps or revelations, but guess what? It's not wasted in the eyes of the Lord. He sees you. He's actually like, man, you really love me. That's amazing. How many of you, with your kids, there's, you, you get up in the middle of the night and you don't have goosebumps and, like, great feelings about getting your, putting your kids back to bed? How many? Right? But you love them. So you put them back to bed. And even though it's 3 o'clock in the morning and then you can't go back to sleep, I'm not just thinking, like, man, my kids are the best. I mean, just... I'm like, man, I'm just, I got, I'm waking up in two hours. Lord, help me. You know, so, but you love your children. So you get up with them when they have a problem. So it's, love is not based on, is, it's not based on feelings, but we, we love it when we have the feelings. But that's, if that's what love is, then it's not really love. It's very conditional. All right, you can go to the next one. Oh, wait, did I read that? Go back. 
Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? All right, you can go to the next one. So death is inevitable, but resurrection is your choice. They're complaining about the way they want to die. Now, Jesus said if you follow him, you're going to carry up your cross and die. So death is inevitable, but only one of those choices has a resurrection power. Only one of those choices, you're, you're raised back to new life. And that's following Jesus, following the cross. So they said, we would have died in Egypt, oh, that we had died in the desert, but going into the land, they didn't want to do. You can keep going, Daniel, to the last bullet. So you can either die a slave in Egypt, fruitless in the desert, or fruitful and abundant in the promised land, but you, you will have to die. Everybody has a cross. You can look at Bill Johnson and be like, man, he's, uh, God's prospered him. He's got a church full of revival, and he travels the nation, and he's got a cross that he carries. <laughs> you got the person that's in Mozambique, the missionary that nobody knows about, that's laying down their life for Jesus. They have a cross. You've got your pastor in Athens. They've got a cross. You've got your believer. Stuart's got a cross. You've got a And it all leads to glory. But you have to take up the cross and follow Jesus. There is a cost to love. And so God's calling them to go to the promised land, but they're going to have to die to fear. They're going to have to die to comfort. They're going to have to die to knowing, to knowing what's ahead. They don't know what's going to, what it's going to look like. They just know what the promise is. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the people over for you. You're going to, that's going to be your land. But they have no idea what that looks like. We have a friend who's a dairy farmer. He grows corn for his uh, cows, which I know, you know, maybe not the best thing for cows. But anyways, he says, say what? <laughs> not today. <laughs> but he has this saying. He says, you know, I always, um, I never have perfect conditions to plant corn, but I always get a harvest. And so sometimes we, we have this idea of this is what it's going to look like or this, this, and this have to fall into place before I can move forward. When many times you just got your piece of land and you've got to, and right now, this is what it looks like and this is what you have to deal with. Patricia King has a huge media ministry. She started with a VHS recorder in her garage. So you, get, you got to start with what you have. And so this is what God's asking me. He says, listen, I, I've told you I'm going to go with you. That's all you need to know. Get over there. But a lot of times we don't like, we get scared if we don't have it, steps A through Z. And God doesn't show us steps A through Z because he knows we'll mess with it. We'll pull a saw. You know what I call pulling a saw? When you obey God 90%. 
Saul would, God said, when you take that city over, kill everything. Saul would go to that city, overtake it, and keep the animals, and then sacrifice it to the Lord. He's like, Lord, Lord, look what I did. I sacrificed all these animals. He's like, no, you disobeyed me. I told you to kill everything. But no, but look what I did. I thought this would be great. No, that's you, Saul. Peter, Lord, you're not going to the cross. Get behind me. You have to have the word of the Lord. We have these ideas that we think are really good ideas. But sometimes we pull a saw with it. All right, next one. So keys to overcoming giants. Do not rebel against the Lord. You just have to, God has to be the Lord of your life. He has to be the Lord of your life. We have a friend who was uh, struggling with uh, pornography, masturbation. And this is the crazy thing. He was actually wasn't a believer yet, but Holy Spirit still moves on people. He said it hit him. He was a soldier in Iraq, and he was uh, looking at porn on his laptop, and he said it just hit him how evil it was. And uh, that was, and he, he even said, man, I shake other men's hand with this hand. I'm just telling you what the story is. So he grabbed his laptop, ripped it out, the cord out of the wall, and just opened the door and went, threw it into the streets. That's called taking the kingdom by force. So like, you just, if God's, now for you, for me, God never told me to rip a computer out of the wall to get over pornography. One of the reasons was I didn't have a computer. I mean, I was like 2000. So anyways, but it's, you don't try to copy what somebody else did. You, you obey the Lord. What's the word of the Lord for you? Maybe he's, he's telling you to have a friend that prays for you or whatever. I don't know what it is. There's all kinds of ways that God works, but you, you have to submit to the Lord. You do not rebel against him. Next one. Do not fear the people of the land. Now, one of the things, you know, uh, Athens is a university town. There's a lot of intellectualism. There's a new age thought where all, you know, many paths lead to one God. And you have spiritual people and uh, you have this pressure that's in the air that says if there's only, if you're saying there's only one way to God, you're intolerant, you're a bigot or whatever it may be. So you have that pressure, but Jesus, there's one reason why he said if, to love your neighbor is because if you love somebody, you can't fear them. Because there's no fear in love, right? So our love for our neighbor needs to be so great that I don't even fear you. Like Stuart could backhand me and I'd just be like, I ain't going to stop me loving you, baby. And you just smile. Now, how, how much would that freak you out if, if Stuart backhanded me? I just smiled. It's like, man, I love you. Like, who are you? <laughs> Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah, baby. Come on. Now, I'm obviously not promoting taking a beating, but I'm just saying, what if we had that kind of love where it doesn't matter what anything they do does not matter? 
But what matters, you affect your environment. You're not affected by your environment. So we need, a, we need our, our love needs to be greater than our, our fear and cast out the fear. You can go next. The giants are our food. So it was actually God will actually prov- make provision for you when you overcome giants. There's, God will release resources to you. He will bring breakthrough. I mean, it looks a number of different ways. It could be financially. It could be other ways. But he'll bring provision when you overcome your giants. Next one. Their protection, which literally means their shadow, has been removed for them. Well, what does Psalm 91 say? Where do we dwell? In the shadow of the Most High. It's a picture of protection. God's saying, they don't have a shadow. They have no protection. I've removed it. It's time to go take them. The fields are white for harvest. For harvest, So the, the harvest is ready. God said, pray for workers to go into the harvest. Nineveh was saved in a day, and it was the most godless city in the, in the known world. The problem wasn't Nineveh. It was the man of God. And so we, we need God to do business with us <laughs> and overcome us with his love for people. I've just been asking that. God, I, I really want to see people and love them the way you want to love them, the way you love them. The Lord is with us. If you just believe that right there, you're unstoppable. Six, do not, do not fear them. And he says that again. He really wants that to get through in our head. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. And the people, it's, it's, this is not an us versus them thing. You can get into that mentality. Um, I had a... Uh, I was walking downtown a couple of days ago, and there was a girl that was um, promoting a human rights organization for LGBTQ, and um, I just, she was asking me if I wanted to contribute to it, and I said, hey, she said, hey, will you, t- will you take this um, survey? And I said, I said, my last name's gay. I'll, I'd love to take it. So I looked at the survey, and then she asked for if I wanted to contribute to it. And I said, I don't think I'm going to contribute to it today. I was asking the Lord. I was just like, Lord, give me something good. And um, I said, hey, do you have a, uh, you know, and just really what was the word of the Lord for her? And, uh, you know, so I, st- tried, I stepped out in the word of knowledge. I said, do you have a brother named Harry? She was like, no. I was like, Great. I said, but I said, Shay, you know, or you're, a be- you're a beautiful person, and God thinks you're beautiful. I want, I'm not going to contribute, but you have a great day. I'm not, she's not my enemy. I'm not going to get in, I wasn't, it wasn't the time to get into a, a debate about all that stuff. It was, she just needs to know God loves her. And that may have been the entry point. And even for me, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I really want to use the name of Jesus. And sometimes he doesn't let me. It's God or, or something like that. But then there's, there's a time where you release Jesus, the name of Jesus on him. But she, you know, she had a curious look after I left. You know, she was like, thank you. And uh, you never know. So you just have to you leave those things in the hands of the Lord and go on and you just try to love the next person. But it's not an us versus them mentality. You can go to the next one. Bill Young, as the Lord was speaking to me about 
overcoming giants, I came across this word by this, this guy who is a, a prophet, lives in Maryland, and you may not have heard of him before. He, has good, he gives really good words. But he said, I hear the father asking, how hungry are you? When you get hungry enough, you get to eat giants. The giants aren't showing up to take you out. They're showing up so you can eat them. Eat your giants today. They are your nourishment. They are your bread and sustenance. Giants are the breakfast of champions. <laughs> you go next. So you are what you eat. If you eat giants, you are a giant. You, and we know who the giant is. It's, it's Jesus. We're hidden in Christ. We don't have any strength. And Travis, I have, I don't, I have not the ability and that's where we get lost. We get lost in, in the old Travis and the old Jessica and the old whoever. We have to fix our eyes on who Jesus is, not on who we are. And it's easy to do that. To look at yourself. Well, look at me. Look at this. I'm not, I'm not very powerful. It's like, you're right. He is. You're in him. Now you're powerful. You've been empowered. By the Holy Spirit. We're hidden in the giant Jesus Christ. And so you, if you eat the word of God, you become the word of God. So when you've when you got a steady diet of the word, what did, does any, one of my favorite prayers is what um, David prayed. He said, I, I found your word and I ate it and it became the joy and delight of my heart. So when you, when you eat the word, you become a word. From heaven. Jesus was the word of God, right? He was a word from heaven. So when, you, when, you're, when you're building yourself up, strengthening yourself in the Lord, eating his word, you become the word. You become a sword. And so that's why it's, you need to eat. So you can eat, make you even hungry and you want to eat giants. But you become a sword in the, in the hand of the Lord. You can go to the next one. So steps to overcoming. Number one, we need to focus on how big Jesus is, not on your smallness. When you focus on your smallness, this is actually magnifying yourself. Or the enemy is bigger than God. That's the irony, is when you focus on your smallness, you actually magnify yourself, make yourself real big. But you're not that powerful. Does that make sense? When you focus on your smallness, you make yourself bigger than God. All right? It's, it's a paradox. So you spend time in God's presence. You, sp you spend time around his bigness. <laughs> and you just, you're like, he's big. I'm going to he's big. Pretty straightforward. The giant Jesus Christ is with you. Okay? Second, you have to be willing to die to your comfort, your pride, or what something should look like. This is the challenge for all of us. You gotta, what, what's it gonna look like? Oh, and you, you have ideas that sneak into your mind and you don't even realize they're there until you're in that moment. You're like, oh, this isn't happening the way I thought it was gonna happen. So you just have to die to those things and, and uh, ask the Lord what it looks like. But you need a giant-sized hunger to eat giants. And this is Main, the main thing I want to I pray for, even as we go into small groups in the summer, 
I feel like a theme for our summer small groups, which are worship and prayer times, is God, give us a hunger. Make us hungry enough to eat giants. That's where it all begins. We have to be hungry enough. You have to be desperate enough. If we don't have the hunger to change, if we're content, it's, you, you'll spin your wheels. But we have, to have, we have to be hungry enough to change. We have to be hungry enough to make adjustments in our schedule where we need to make adjustments, whatever it is. But we have to be hungry. It's a, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. You can't conjure it up. There's no one who seeks God. The Bible says that there's no one who seeks after God. God gave you the ability to hunger for him. Because there's no one righteous and there's no one who seeks after him. But in his mercy, he, he's, he pours out grace on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so you got, when you didn't know Jesus, there was some grace that got on you that said, I want to know who Jesus is. And he, he, he brought you in. He, he wooed you in with his love. And then you discovered how amazing he is and you, you surrendered your life. But then we need that same grace to keep us going to pursuing him. It's like we've just scratched the surface of who Jesus is. I'm, just, I'm coming to a greater realization than I ever have. I was like, I don't really know anything at all. I've only scratched the surface of my relationship with Jesus. I may know things about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's great. But it's, it's so much more than that. So much, God's love goes so much deeper. There's so much more transformation that can happen in my heart. I want to I wanna, to walk into a room. I want to be so hidden in Jesus that when I walk into a room, people repent and give their lives to Jesus. I don't even have to give a gospel presentation. That's not unprecedented. It happened with Charles Finney and others. But those, that's where you're just like, you're enjoying Jesus, and the next thing you know, you look around and people are repenting. You're like, hey, you want to give your life to Jesus? I, you see you're convicted of your sin <laughs> or whatever. <You> just <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so we, we want that gift. We want, we want hunger. So y'all stand up. You got anything, honey? Lord, I pray right now that you would bless us with giant-sized hunger. Lord, we want to be so hungry that the only thing that fills us up is giants. And then, Lord, we digest that and we get hungry again. We want another giant. Lord, we want giant-sized hunger, Father. I pray that we would be overcome with love sickness. Lord, that we would be so sick with love that God, that we would, there would be no other things that distract us, that the, the, the only distraction we would have would be lovesickness. That it would cause us to lay down our lives and joyfully, joyfully pursuing the cross, God, and the resurrection life of Jesus. So I want you just to pray right now, just 
Just pray out loud. Just say, God, just give us giant-sized hunger. Give us giant-sized hunger. Just keep praying it over. Now tell the Lord, say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Say, I'm, I'm hidden in the giant killer. I am a giant killer. I'm knocking on my giant's door. Nobody squats on my inheritance. Say that again. Nobody squats on my inheritance. And say, Lord, make me jealous for your name. Fill me with fire. Yes, God, thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. Repeat after me, Athens, we bless you. Athens, you shall be saved. You are a city set on the hill. You are the Lord's inheritance. You are the Lord's portion. And he's coming for you. You will be his. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Yes. May the Lamb of God receive the reward of his suffering.